Welcome. My name is Amir Sefer from Pong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And today we're going to talk a little bit about market makers and market takers. And I say this because I'm a bit of a market taker myself, which means I don't have enough cultural or material capital to control and dictate the market. I kind of have to take what the market, I can choose among what the market provides me. I have enough capital to, to use my discretion, um, and decide the given content uh, and decide which of the given contents to consume. But I don't have enough capital to dictate the terms of the market. And that's a problem with me now, for example, I mean, here's a good example. I, like I, I need people to be harder on my kids, right? So like I believe in extracurricular activities, co-curricular activities, stuff with coaching activities and stuff like that. But in the scene I'm in right now, in Athens, Georgia, you know, that's just, there's a culture of being nice to kids that is not particularly great for my kids. Like, I don't need people who are going to be nice to my kids, but, you know, when, when what, 80% of consumer decisions are made by women and there are a lot of white women around and they don't understand what, <laughs> it's not important that, like, stuff gets done anytime they, they get in charge of something. So like, there's just a culture of like, well, we have to do what's nice and we have to do supportive and the kids have to like, and that's just not, that's just not how I think you raise kids to do anything that's meaningful. I need someone who's going to be hard. So it's actually suspiciously hard um, because the culture of the consumers, not even the producers, the culture of the consumers, the dominant culture of the consumers is this, you know, we have to be nice and um, that skews the whole markets. So the market makers are saying, well, you have to be nice and everything should be supportive and participation trophies and all that. And as a market taker, if I want my kid to be, um, you know, in these competitive activities, I, they can't be competitive in the way I would like. Right. So, and, and more importantly, not just a competitive activity in the structure of the, the, the games, but competitive in terms of the coaching and the seriousness. This is one thing which I think I appreciate about swimming. And I wish I, I guess I kind of wish I would have gotten my kids into swimming that water is, there's a way in which water is indifferent. It's also undefeated, which means that if you don't want to work hard, it doesn't matter. There's no participation trophy in swimming. You, you could drown. Right? So like water is undefeated. You're going to work. You're going to work. You're going to push yourself. You're going to push yourself and you're going to get used to pushing yourself. So there's a way in which I wish maybe I should have gotten my kids into swimming, but the infrastructure for that is a little bit tricky. Um, but I see the virtue in something like swimming because there's no way that like even a nice coach can make it screwed up by being too nice. Right? So as a market taker, I have to take the, uh, the, I, have to, I can choose among the crappy park, uh, products that are on the market, but I don't have the cultural power to actually change either the other consumers or the, dictate the terms of the producers who will make a, a more rigorous product. You know, there was another, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about, you know, women and white women in particular because they kind of decide what counts as womanhood too in terms of setting aspirations for everyone and how it's kind of a problem. So I'm just going to keep doing that because if you're on this station, you kind of know why I do it. And for example, so for example, they would screw up 
the entire field of therapy right now, right? So you go to a therapist, the entire genre of therapy, the entire industry is organized around telling white women what they want to hear so that they come back because the therapists are on the market model and they need you to come back, right? So that's the entire genre of, of therapy. And it screwed up like how we even consider mental health. And it's such a dominating hegemonic force in therapy that even if you don't go to, you know, white lady therapist or therapist who's, who's, even if it's two guys talking, it's all of, all of mental health has been screwed up by the cultural, the market making of white women. And, you know, women make some like 70 to 80% of consumer choices in America. So a lot of what's on the market is the way it is because women like it that way. Right. Apparently, if you're going to write a book, you need to um, appeal to a 50 year old white woman. That's the uh, so like that's that's the kind of books that are being written for, for you know women who want to eat, pray, and love. Right. It might not be might be inimical to seriousness, but they are making the market, and everyone else is kind of taking in the market. And there could be very good books uh, written for that demographic, but it's kind of a culturally narrow demographic um so it depends it's possible they could screw up mental health right now i have a uh for a while my kid was doing like a martial arts uh scene in town and you go to the gym and like i thought it was good when they were younger but then i realized that like everything else the dojo it's not cobra kai or anything like that the dojo is organized so that the parents bring their kids back right and insofar as it's organized so that the parents bring your kids back, like it's not really, I need, I need people yelling at my kids. Like that's, I need hardcore teachers. And it's funny because I used to talk to my wife about this like 10 years ago, just joking. When we were still dating, I'm like, yeah, you know, when I have kids, I'm going to look for like some no BS Russian lady piano teacher who's going to like bring in a ruler and like, and, and really kind of have at my kids. And at my time, my wife thought I was joking. Now it's 15 years later and she understands that that's really what I want because those are the people who get results. And I don't think, uh, I think we should teach kids in a way that demands results from them if we expect to have serious kids. Also, I'm going to give you a little bit of some of my biases. I think you need to get your kids into sports or music because if they're not into sports or music, what can they do? What do we allow kids to do that's not sports or music that's actually meaningful? Right. And you want it to be somewhat artful and actually where they push themselves and you can only push yourselves in kind of competition with both like nature and other kids. So if your kids aren't doing sports or music, you might just be raising a worthless kid. You're raising a kid who doesn't know how to do anything. You could say like, well, you know, they're really into school. They're not in sports or music, but they're really into school. And that's fine, but that doesn't insert necessarily the beauty or the art into it. So they might just be used to doing what they're told to do in a way that doesn't call for some sort of discretionary wherewithal, right? So I think sports and music, you get both the structure of the game that doesn't, um, uh, that doesn't uh, you know, bend itself to your will, and also the freedom within the rules in the game to actually have to develop yourself 
individually. So I, I believe in sports and music for kids. And I, I'm a little bit, I think people who don't put their kids in sports and music and actually press them in sports and music are doing their kids a disservice. And it, there might be actually just raising soft kids. And soft kids make soft adults who, and that's, you know, look, a lot of people think their girls should be soft and that's fine for them maybe, but keep those girls away from my girls because I do not raise soft girls. And I, and, uh, I wish, I wish there was more of a public culture of being harder on kids. But one of the problems with markets in a market culture that needs kids to come back and in a culture of America that's not particular, that doesn't understand the importance of like being hard and being unforgiving. We don't have nature that is unforgiving. So we need people who are unforgiving to teach kids about, you know, rules and laws. Right. So like, I, I wish, I wish activities were more unforgiving and I wish my kids were under and my kids actually respond it turns out my kids respond well to authorities who aren't me who are actually authoritative right uh maybe because they remind them of me but it turns out that like when my kids are in a rare position where they're actually at someone who like is hard on them like i am they actually respect and, and respond to it. fine right there's just not enough institutions like that because i don't have the cultural power to create institutions like that so i always have to deal with coaches or teachers who don't actually who are not serious in the same way right um and who don't expect kids to be serious in the same way and i'm just not convinced that that's a great way that's i mean i think that's how you create a soft society and how you create just unserious incompetent people who then expect other people to accommodate them in their unseriousness and incompetence. By the way, if you appreciate anything I'm doing, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, and I'll keep kind of, um, you know, giving you the quality of wisdom that you're not going to get everywhere. There was uh, I read a book about fifteen years ago by Nicholas Lerman. I want to say it's called The Big Test, and it was on kind of the beginning is on the emergence of these kind of hardcore private schools like Choate and Exeter over on the East Coast. And it turns out a lot of them started in the late 19th century, or late 1900s. And they emerged because you had all of these rich industrialists who had worthless sons and all of their sons were becoming worthless. And it was a problem because no one would be hard on their sons, right? So the parents can be hard on their sons because they're my kid. Um, and honestly, the industrialist dad was off and the mom was worthless um, in terms of being hard on the kid. And so the kids were just loafers. And so they had, and, and nobody in the household employee would be hard on the kid. And it was, it started to become like a bit of a social problem for that set that all of their kids were just like worthless loafers. So they created these schools like Choate and Exeter to go somewhere and actually like kind of whip these kids into shape, these, these kids of wealthy people. And now I feel like a little bit of that has been democratized. That worthlessness has been democratized um, so that we don't actually know why it's important to create a public culture that is hard on young people. Hard in a productive way, hard, but in a serious way. We expect, you, we expect excellence in this endeavor. Not all endeavors, but in this endeavor. In this sport, like you're going to get cut. I want my kids to be in, in activities where they could get cut. And I think that's perfectly appropriate, 
right? And also set up the institutions for them to succeed. So you could get cut, but here are all of these opportunities um, so that you could actually make the team. And here's like extra practices and here's how you can drive yourself to do what you need to do. But in order for that to happen, you need to, there need to be some sort of standard and we need, you know, I need the Bella Carolis and, you know, without the, I'm okay with the emotional abuse, uh, abuse, abuse is just, um, a word we used for non-standard use. I'm, I'm okay with the Bella Carolis of the world, just like without the sexual stuff. Um, and, and we need institutions that promote being like standards for kids, right? We need and activities that promote standards for kids. Because if you raise them to be soft up to like 10 and 12, then they're going to be soft. For the, like, they're going to have the quality of entitlements so that'll make them soft for the rest of their lives. And I think this is especially bad for girls. Because guys, the world is a little bit harsher too. And this is why in some ways, I'm raising black son and two black daughters. In some ways, I worry less about my son in some ways because the world doesn't, isn't nice to him just because. And he's not confused because as a boy, people just casually assume that you have to do stuff. As a girl, they just want you to look pretty. And that is insufficient not only insufficient that is um actually really really distracting and um uh pernicious right so this idea that girls just have to look pretty and, and slightly do what they're told as opposed to like fight and scrap as if they were boys is is a problem but the market and a lot of this market is made up of mothers who expect their daughters to like aspire to a kind of whiny, useless lifestyle. Leeching on some man is not serious about what we do to make serious women. And um, because the mothers themselves are not serious and the mothers are the choosers in the market. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a horrible cycle of fundamentally unseriousness that then pervades a public culture. And me as a market taker and not maker have to, deal with the teachers and deal with the coaches who have been groomed by the market makers, which is like this unserious class of women who, um, who like don't know how hard, how like the importance of being hard on people. Um, and I have to deal with their unseriousness as, and as they set the culture for the coaches. Right, so this class of consumers that I'm not a part of sets the cultures for the sets a culture for the producers who then produce the product that I must consume as a consumer. Um, I can choose which product to consume, but since all of the products have been uh, determined, have been designed to meet a consumer culture that's not me, it doesn't really matter which one I choose. They're all just going to be a variety of soft. Right, so if if mothers were harder, if other mothers were harder on their daughters, then the culture would be better for like my daughters who would be able to then go and expect to do hard things. But right now, I mean, I mean, the good news is about where I am right now in the South in Athens, Georgia, is that it's cheap. The bad news is that like they're just a, a culture of, of unseriousness. There's a culture of unseriousness. I wish I was around more no BS Asians. That was one of the one of the very one of the non-negligible virtues that I um, 
had the pleasure of experience when I went to Berkeley. I was, for the first time around, like an entire, and you go to Berkeley, or I suspect most Ivy League schools, but you go to Berkeley, and what you understand is that you get a critical mass of no BS Asians, and who are actually wonderful in their no BS ways. And I was like, oh, this is another way to be. And they were raised by no BS parents, and girls and boys, there's just like, there's not a lot of BS. And then there's not a lot of accommodating for a variety of reasons, but that's not the case outside of the, you know those particular communities, right? So in regular America, there's a lot of kind of nonsense. There's a lot of nonsense, especially around parenting and kids, that you got to fight through. And maybe you can fight through with religion. You can fight through with spirituality because if the market's telling you to accommodate, 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 there's a quality of Catholicism or Judaism or even robust Protestantism that'll be like accommodation's the devil. <laughs> like you need, you need to fast. We're in the time of Lent right now, right? Like that's the opposite of accommodating your desires. Whereas everything in the market's trying to accommodate this culture of like, be nice, accommodate, accommodate, accommodate. The Catholics with Lent will be like, no, suck it up for 40 days. Um, at least to remind you that spirituality comes from sucking it up, right? So there are these kind of spiritual guardrails against the excesses and accommodations of markets that we need to take seriously. Um, and if, and, I, and like I said, I struggle because I think markets accommodate, especially children, in ways that's not great. I wish, I wish. And I say, I wish my school, the, the kids' school was harder on them. Um, and I wish it was stricter. And I wonder if Catholic schools are still actually, like I went to Catholic school for about two years. And I, and I don't remember as much accommodation as I see in the public schools now. But I don't even know if Catholic schools are still less accommodating or they just like Catholic in other ways. Because, you know, what I wish I had my, for my kids is, uh, that like the structure and the strictness and the non like it doesn't matter we can be holy without being nice <laughs> and i and and i and the dedicated love and I, I need a quality of other adults in my kids life where there's a dedicated love that's not tied to being nice and that's what I want out of like the music and, and sports education and even academic education that they don't necessarily, um, that can't just, I don't think should just come from me, but could come from like kind of a no BS community. But instead we just want kids to be happy, which I think is a problem. And all of these market institutions, they just want you to separate you from your money. So they're not going to be as hard as they kid. They should be on your kid. Right. And with a kind of dedicated love, because like there's not enough money, so they just need them coming back. And so like this is a this is a cultural problem when you put all of your culture on the market. Then market and even churches that just need you to come back for tithing are going to have are going to be problematic insofar as they don't really they're not going to save you from market excesses and market accommodations. And you know, I'll end with saying that there's a broader theme in the market. Maybe I'll do a whole show on this in market society where there's a whole genre of people who make their money by kissing um, other rich people's asses. Like that's their whole job. 
Like that's their whole job, kissing wealthy people's asses. I am not one of those people. You do not come here because I'll kiss your ass. Instead, I'm asking you to give me uh, five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month because I go to www.funkyacademy.com and kick in five, fifteen, fifty dollars a month. Not because I'm going to kiss your butt, but because I'm giving you a quality of wisdom that's going to save you from the flatterers out there who will lead you down a path that will squat that will lead you to squander your life and maybe even screw up your kids and your marriage right by flattering you they'll flatter you flatter you flatter you till you screwed up everything that matters in your life hey you're gonna come come say hi to the people come on come on come on come on come on say hi to the people thank you corinne my kids just came home from uh school which i adore because they're wonderful come say hi people <laughs> hey this isn't a um, this isn't a request. It's a command. All right. Look, there's a camera. Say hello, America. Hello, America. America. Hello, America. In one sentence. Hello, America. Hello, America. This is my daughter. This is my mini me. And I coach her soccer team, in which I am, uh, you know, harder than most. What's up? I got a package. Okay, good. Uh, can I open it? Yeah, you can. But upstairs, I think it's goalie gloves. I'll be up in a moment. We have some pasta cooking and. Um, I'll finish it once I'm done with this. All right. So there is an entire class of, there's an entire class of the economy that makes its money by kissing butt. And it's like, I think 40% of the economy. And that's a problem. That's, um, that's a problem. And then, the other, yeah, and then you have people who actually build and do stuff. And I want my kids to be able to build and do stuff and not learn how to just extract money by kissing butt, which is a non-negligible account of, uh, um, which is a non-negligible like, percentage of the economy. I'm always shocked to find out how many people's job is like substantively tied to just kissing the, the to kissing butt like and, and and then that is the whole and that is the whole job and it's not just people who work for other people it's sole proprietors but like and and then there's this other part of the economy where you actually have to do stuff and build stuff and like provide a value and service that's not just flattering the heck out of some rich guy and trying to extract their money and uh I, I just need my kids to be used to the part of civic activity that's tied to being graded on production and not that's tied to just accommodating some, you know, some rich guy's feelings or some rich woman's feelings. But so thank you for your time. If you appreciate what I'm doing, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com. I have a free game on uh, Monday where I just, you know, talk about relationship stuff and how to, you know, think about those kinds of issues. Then I have more politics on Thursday and I'll keep doing what I'm doing if you keep, uh, if you tell your friends and go over to funkyacademic.com and kick in a little bit. All right, take care.